Welcome to another episode of the Occasional Reviewer Podcast with myself, Brad, and... Marina. And today we are covering live-action Oscar shorts. Yeah, we went to go have a look at them down at our local independent cinema called The Bioscope. And we'll be discussing our thoughts about the live-action shorts. But before we do that... Spoilers. 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 That's that's your spoiler warning because we are we're going we're doing a deep dive. We're holding nothing back. Yeah, basically if you know you want to watch these without them being spoiled, go watch them before we ruin them for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so so Brad, we've been doing um watching Oscar shorts for a long time, for years now. Yeah. So I would kind of dub us as semi experts in shorts. Yes. Like, <laughs> I'm super confident as, to say that. As a viewer, just purely, purely as a viewer. How would you describe a good short? What makes a good short for you? For me, it sounds obvious, but it's in the name. It's gotta be short. <laughs> So there's some shorts that are really long. A 38 minutes. Is yeah, I'm not just like, mm, this, I'm feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Feels in my, like I need a break. Yeah, my attention span is short, you know. Your shorts got to be short, not a long. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, for me, it's all about narrative. It's all about story. And it's how you tell that story. For me, you get two types of shorts in my view. Hmm. There's the one short that tells a purely self-contained story. Like it sets up the scene, it tells the story, it has a nice ending. Then you get a short, it drops you in the middle of a story of, of a person's life. And at the end of the short, you can see there's so many possibilities. You're like itching for more of the story. So, for example, the Irish Goodbye, which we'll get to, I see as a self-contained short where the red suitcase was really like just a snippet of a bigger story. And that was brilliant. So I which that. so which type of version of a short do you like? The self-contained or just that snippet of a story? Snippets, because you as the viewer, you become kind of an active viewer and you get to fill in the blanks. And that to me is part of good storytelling is uh, you need to be invested as the viewer and you need to either be wondering what's going on how did they get there yeah how did they get you what's going to happen you need to start becoming active instead of just going oh this is the story yes. nice so i agree so even though i find a self-contained short more enjoyable for mm. me because you see the story from start to end the shorts that i often find better and that i always look back and i'm like this should win the award yeah is the one that i watch the short and i'm like there's so much more of the story i want to know about there's so much more going on mm. i want to know how they got there what's happening after it yeah so it almost feels like i want to see the movie of this oh wow yeah as you're as you're describing that i was thinking another good kind of short for me is the one that you want to be made into a feature-length yes, film yes. yeah fully so also for me in general, just around shorts, often when I watch it, I can feel and see the passion that goes into it. Yeah. You can see that this is a story that someone is passionate to have told, yes. to want to tell. And it also, a lot of times it has a very topical item that they cover. 
very seldom is a short just a funny thing to be told. There's always this bigger theme. Yeah, kind of bigger message or bigger issue underneath yeah. it all. And for me, the ones that do it well is the ones that can tell that story without assaulting you as a viewer. <laughs> <laughs> Emotional damage. So it can't be... It just needs to make you think and enjoy it. But I really don't like the ones where you almost feel completely knocked over. Yeah. Well, luckily, there weren't too many of those this year, I felt. And for you? The animation shorts I found a lot more enjoyable. Hmm. The live action ones, I'm just running through them in my mind. I think there were a few that I didn't enjoy as much. Just because of the topic or it looked like they were trying to say... Yes. And I would have liked it done differently, I think. But definitely, definitely better than previous years. Previous years was shock value galore. Yes, yeah. This year, I think they got a message. People spoke or like they got the memo to be a bit more subtle about the topics. Yes, And also, you can kind of trust your audience to be smart enough to know what you're talking about without spoon feeding them and going, today, we're going to talk about... X or yes. whatever it is. Yes, exactly. Okay, cool. So how do you want to get started? Are we going to an order of ranking or how we watch that? What nah, we I think let's do this in the order that we watched it in. Okay. And then we'll save our favorites for later. Perfect. I, do we have the same favorite? We didn't discuss it, so we'll see. Ooh. Oh. Okay, cool. First up. <laughs> Cliffhanger. <laughs> yes, yeah. Stay tuned. <laughs> On the next episode. In this episode, coming up. A bit later, shortly. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. Uh, Cool. Ivalu is a 16-minute short out of Denmark, directed by Anders Walter and Pupaluk K. Jorgensen. And the synopsis is, Ivalu is gone. Her little sister is desperate to find her. Her father doesn't care. The vast Greenlandic nature holds secrets. Where is Ivalu? Hmm, suspenseful. <laughs> mm. Yeah, so basically this kind of film starts up with the little sister wanting to know where her big sister Ivalu is. She stops at the grand's house and she goes, have you seen Ivalu? And the grand's like, Psh, no, she's probably at school. She heads to school and no one's seen Ivalu. And everyone brushes it off like it isn't a big deal. Mm. And the sister is, the younger sister is overreacting. And you get the sense that the younger sister has just this connection with the sister and gets a vibe that something is off. So she just wants to find the sister because she knows something is not right. Yeah, fully. And that's also introduced thematically through the use of a crow. <laughs> that follows her around uh, for the rest of this short. So I, I really enjoyed that. And there's a pretty shot of a drone looking down with the bird flying. Just to clarify, you don't see the drone. It's just a nice scenic view of the landscape. Filmed using a drone. <laughs> <laughs> and the bird, I'm pretty sure, was CGI, but it doesn't matter. Speaking of the drone shots or things filmed from the drone i loved all the drone shots in this movie they brought the landscape to life and they made me as a viewer feel as though greenland was its own character 
and it was very very cool as someone who lives in south africa with heat and <laughs> dust and lions roaming the streets <laughs> and lions roaming the streets and some elephants and giraffes and baby zebras seeing this rock face or ice face and snow and just crystal clear water was very interesting to me yeah it was beautifully shot i really enjoyed the way it was filmed but and for you what did you think i know you enjoyed her performance yes so i thought she was really captivating so she goes from scene to scene calling out her sister's name the whole time so that's why the evalu is so prominent in the story because she goes from one scene and she calls the sister Mm. What I enjoyed is the storytelling of how the storytelling progressed. You see how she tries to recall the memories with her and her sister. Hmm. Then she thinks, oh, we used to hang out at this spot. And then she goes to that area. And they had a really good flashback scenes towards to their story and yeah. how their life was together. Hmm. And that was done beautifully. And then she goes, she keeps expanding further and further away from home. And then she thinks, oh, but maybe she's in this location. Oh, maybe she's in this area later on where I'm not supposed to go. We've never gone. So the one beautiful flashback was about a story. They were on the on the ocean and they were busy catching fish. And the older sister, Ivalu, told the younger sister the story about a sea monster or sea creature that lived there in the ocean. And the myth is that sometimes people need to go down to brush the sea monster's hair, to untangle the seaweed and the hair of it. And I thought that was a beautiful mythical story. So when eventually this sister gets to like one more place, she sees the boat in the middle of the ocean. I think she sees the sister's scarf or something. Uh, During this flashback, the sister says, you can see the sea witch sometimes from this point and she looks down and you as the viewer can totally see the sea witch and there's an empty boat kind of floating in the middle it's an extreme wide and you know that's cool Evelyn is going to go check out this boat yes and the story kind of if it ended there the story leaves it open that either Evelyn unfortunately didn't make it so Mm. she's probably died or that the if you have the Brad, you kind of describe it nicely with the hippie. Yeah, situation. if you've got like your your hippie vibe about you, or a more kind of spiritual vibe about you, you can choose to believe that she untangled the sea witch's hair, and she was then granted access to another dimension or another realm, and she is the crow that's been guiding her sister. Wow, hippie! Wow. <laughs> Or you as the viewer can go, that's a whole bunch of rubbish and the sister's dead, the end. Yes. But then curveball, end of the story, we find out... Not so much a curveball, more kind of Oscar bait. Oscar bait curveball in the storyline. The sister then gets back to home and you can see the the grandmother now realizes that the, the older sister is dead. But then suddenly the younger sister has this flashback of memory that apparently the dad, this father figure in their life, has been molesting the older sister. And that's why the sister vanished and committed suicide. So it was a bit of a curveball, unnecessary piece of the story. Yeah, The story was so beautiful without it. It really didn't need it and add value to the story for me that much at all even. 
So I would have enjoyed the story without that. I agree. I don't think it was necessary. I think they did enough in the magic of the crow and the, the story and getting a sense of a different culture and a different part of the planet with the universal story of a sister who's worried about a sister. So what did you write this? Visually, the cinematography, I'd give it like 7 out of 10, maybe 8 out of 10. It was really pretty. But story-wise, just because of that curveball, I really didn't enjoy it. I'm going to be brutal and give it like a 4 out of 10. I expected a 2 out of 10. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, uh, I'm not that hectic. <laughs> so I would give it a 7 or 8 out of 10. And I'm going to, just on the basis that the main character had a really captivating performance. I really enjoyed how she acted. I really enjoyed mm. watching it. So from that perspective, I'm going to let the curveball storyline slide. And the rest of it I really enjoyed. So just as a as a FYI additional little snippet on this one, this film was also based on a graphic novel with its own visuals that matched matched a lot of this. I haven't seen the graphic novel, but just uh, out of curiosity, <laughs> it was adapted from a graphic novel. On to the next. Yeah, so the next one that we watched was a 15-minute out of Norway called Night Ride. And directed by Eric Tveiten. I couldn't have said it better. That's 100% the correct pronunciation. So the synopsis of this short is, It's a cold night in December. As Ebba waits for the tram, an unexpected turn of events transforms the ride home into something she was not expecting. Yeah, and this kind of like uh, comedically uh, at the beginning had a very light-hearted tone and that shifts down into a kind of more serious tone towards the end and then there's a bit of magic and Christmas cheer towards the end as well. So thematically it goes from happy to oh, serious and then happy again, yay. And I really enjoyed it and I, I like that kind of those, those moments of humor. So let me, let me jump in and describe the story. Ebba is a dwarf and she is waiting for the train to take her wherever needs, she needs to go. The train is empty and the conductor also jumps off to go and take a break before the next shift and ride is going to start. It is snowing outside, so Ebba is really cold. Yeah. So she gets into the tram and... A little bit out of curiosity and impatience. Yeah, just starts hitting a couple of buttons here. Yes, and, there. and the train starts moving. And <laughs> <laughs> what does this do? What does that do? Yeah, and she's just having fun. She looks like someone just playing around with these buttons and she quickly figures out how this train works. And then at a few stops, she picks up a few passengers and she just plays pretend conductor for, for this. Yeah, she she goes from really panicked and freaked out to, I got this, I understand this. And there's this moment where, for the first time, as the tram's going and pulling away, the original conductor who's told her to wait comes running out <laughs> and kind of starts chasing her. And she makes the decision in that moment to... No, I'm going to ride. And it's the slowest pull away ever. <laughs> and because there's snow everywhere, this conductor's just having the hardest time trying to catch up. And eventually, obviously, he doesn't. And yeah, as you say, she's joined by a couple of passengers. And then some of these passengers ends up being a group of guys 
Uh, they just came back from a night out, so you can see they're a bit drunk and having fun and being a bit loud. And then there's also another character that gets onto the train, a person dressed in drag. So one of the guys in this group, they start flirting with this this lady. And then when they realize the conductor accidentally makes a mistake and the, the train goes the whole too hectically. And this character's wig falls off and he sees that this is a, a man dressed in drag mm. and not a woman that he expected. And he kind of gets very aggressive and... Yeah, uh, he invites his drunk friend around and they basically spend the rest of the trip harassing this person. And um, the conductor, you as the audience are going, are you going to stop? Are you going to do something? Are you going to jump in and help? Or are you just leaving this? And there are a few other passengers in the tram, which I suppose are the audience in this situation, who are kind of bystanders. And no one's really saying anything. Everyone can see how messed up the situation is. And there's a curtain that the conductor can close. And she closes the curtain and then audibly you hear kind of violence off screen. But it's not physical. Uh, it borders on physical violence, but it's kind of emotional violence. And she eventually decides, okay, cool, enough's enough. She stops the, the tram and says, um, stop it. She, she intimidates the buff boy, basically, yeah. into saying that if you think you can do better, just drive the train. So she kind of distracts the guy and tells him basically what to do, where to press go, where to press stop. And while she's doing that, it creates this nice opportunity for the guy in drag to get off of the train. Yes. She joins him. Very unexpectedly. Yeah. She joins <laughs> joins the guy on a bench and the tram carries on down the tram And line. you can see all the panicked people inside looking to be like, why is our conductor climbing off? <laughs> and uh, shortly thereafter, there's this kind of nice moment where she hands the wig back to the guy and uh, you see the blue flashing lights. So you know that she's got away with it. She's not going to get arrested for commandeering a tram. So I think the underlying tones for me were about kind of hyper-masculinity or masculinity in general and how that can be challenged quite effectively. I enjoyed that it covered a serious topic with a tone of comedy as well. So to be able to sprinkle in a bit of lightheartedness, yeah. to make it enjoyable for you as a viewer, hmm. while still covering a really serious topic of violence that is that trans people and people in drag face unnecessarily so yeah so it just proves to me you don't have to go in with the oscar bait you can still have something quite light and fluffy that speaks about serious issues and then overall rating so for me i really enjoyed the conductor's performance initially as a viewer i was i felt a little bit distant from her but the longer it went on the more I really enjoyed her performance and the nuances in her performance. Yeah, so overall, I'd, I'd probably give this a seven and a half, eight out of ten. And for you, I would also give it a seven out of ten. Mm. It was a good story, but visually, it was not as strong as yes, Evalu. Yes. Yeah, I agree, one hundred percent. Actually, so yeah, seven and a half. Cool. Next up was Le Pipil. Which uh, for me was quite long for a short. It was 37 minutes in duration. Not a short. <laughs> Not a short. Bordering on a pilot episode for a series. 
And this was basically Disney. So like all the money in the world was thrown at this thing. Look, I really enjoyed it. So it's directed by Alice Rohwacher. It's the best we can do. Sorry, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Just Google it. (laughs) And uh, the synopsis is from writer and director Alice, an Academy Award winning producer, Alfonso someone. Le Pupol is a tale of innocence, greed, and fantasy. This live-action short is about desires, pure and selfish, about freedom and devotion, and about the anarchy that is capable of flowering in the minds of girls within the confines of a strict religious boarding school (laughs) at Christmas. This was so light-hearted. Um, I, I can't even remember if it was in English or not. Most of it was Italian, I think. I think so. So it was so light-hearted about these kids in kind of this boarding school or uh, orphanage. During World War Two, You can see they're just naughty little friends and they have to adhere to this religious structure and day-to-day routine. And they're so they're just so sweet. And then there's some elements of the sisters at this place wanting to monetize a little bit of these kids at the orphanage as well, which I found hilarious. So there's a lot of people they can come to the they can come to these shows where all of these orphanage kids are strapped into angel wings hanging from the roof. Yeah, it's like this weird nativity scene where, <laughs> yeah, these kids are basically being tortured. Not tortured. Well, it kind of it borders on that for me. I'm going to say they're bored to hell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're these bored orphans selling their prayers because, you know, uh, they're closer to God's ears. Or at least this is the the story the nuns have told everyone in the community to make a few extra bucks to help them get through the winter or the year. It was great. I I really enjoyed that scene. And then I also enjoyed the scene where they have to stand and listen to the news Mm. all in a line. And they have to stand a specific way for the static to work and them to be able to listen. And then something happens where the sister needs to leave the room one of the kids, she forgot, uh, I think, a heart or a wings or something. So she quickly sneaks across the room to go and fetch this item that she dropped. And then when she does it, the radio switches to some pop music. Secular, evil music. Yes. And they all start dancing and having fun. And then when they come back, the the sisters are so repulsed by this that everyone gets their mouths cleaned with soap or washed out with soap. Yeah, it's quirky, it's fun. And the crux of the film comes down to what's going to happen with this decadent cake that's been baked by a very wealthy baroness. Before you get to the cake, so why I want to go back to the soap part because it actually does link to the story. So this one girl that moved to pick up the item that she dropped, when she, the sister asked her if she sang along to the song, she said no, she didn't. And she did that to try and avoid the The soap wash. Yes. And the sister made her feel guilty by saying, but you are the worst of them because you actually started this. So even though you didn't sing it, you are actually the bad apple. You're the bad you're a bad person. She got her to sing it again. She was like, yeah, so you, you weren't singing it, but can you remember the, the song? Yeah. Can you remember the lyrics? And 
this character basically recites the words or the lyrics and she goes, aha, it's worse, it's in you. The others just listened, but this is, it's in you. It lives in you, yeah. So she feels so bad about it. And then during one of these nights where they're all hanging from the roof with their <laughs> <laughs> wings. <laughs> Torment. And everyone has to bring money or something to get uh, their prayer heard by these angels. This one lady, she just wants her lover to come back to her and stop cheating on her. And she, she brings this massive gift of a cake. Yeah, it's decadent. So it's wartime in Italy, there are rations around, and she has baked a cake using 36 eggs. <laughs> Which sounds insane. But on the scale of it, she's holding it with two arms. It's a it's massive, huge. it's huge. And it's a bright red. And with the scene of everything being a bit dull and everyone wearing these gray tones, this red cake just stands out and looks glorious. Yeah, it's amazing. And the crux of the film kind of happens where the sister is wanting to give this to the cardinal to get a few extra bucks or to earn some goodwill with him. But instead, she kind of tries to trick the girls or to guilt the girls into going, if you're good girls, you'll actually give up this cake. Yeah, yeah. So everyone needs to stand if they are a good person and willing to make the sacrifice for the greater good. So eventually our main protagonist doesn't stand and she gets <laughs> to take a bite of this amazing cake. And when the sister confronts her and goes, why, why did you do this? It harkens back to that moment you mentioned with the soap and she uses the sister's words against her basically saying i'm a bad girl what i liked about it is that she so she got this slice and the slice has these layers of cake of like mousse and then mm. like jam and oh yum anyway it looks great so she gets the slice in front of her and there's this dog that stray dog that runs into the place initially you think it's going to be the dog grabs the cake and runs the cake but luckily that didn't happen so in this distraction of the stray dog this protagonist, a girl, she grabs a piece of this cake uh, in a one hand, throws the rest of her piece onto the floor for the stray dog so the stray dog can go crazy, and she runs to the room. And what I found so beautiful is when she got to the room, she then started dividing this piece in her hand into yeah. these small little pieces so everyone can taste. So everyone got this little, like, tiny pieces of crumbs that she started dividing up in, like, 12-plus girls. And everyone just had so much joy from this. So yes. it was a really, a really lovely scene. For me, tonally, it felt as though Napoleon Dynamite had a baby with Nacho Libre. What's Nacho Libre? <laughs> Nacho Libre. Yes. Encouragement. <laughs> it's, it's a Jack Black movie. Uh, very dry, very slapstick Mexican monk who raises funds for the church by moonlighting as a wrestler in Mexico. And the tone of that is slapstick, quirky, comedic. Napoleon Dynamite's very dry. The intro titles, I looked at this movie, I'm calling it a movie, not a short. Because it was yeah. a movie, it was so long. I looked at this and I watched the credit scene and I thought, Psh, Napoleon Dynamite did this first, whatever. Yeah. But they did it very well. The film itself has these magical, magical moments of performance and authenticity that were left in on purpose by the director 
Are you still talking about which movie now? I'm talking about uh, Le Pupil. Okay, okay, okay. So there are these magical moments where the actors are corpsing or breaking their roles. You can see, like, they're laughing authentically. And there was this choice made by the director and the editor to keep these moments in. And that just brings this magical element through for me i really enjoyed that and the authenticity of it but yeah if i'm judging it as a short it was long yeah also what you so you're jumping to the critique uh, so the part of that i really enjoyed about i also really like that um at the end the conclusion of it was that the cardinal ended up not getting the cake because of the piece taken out. So they ended up giving the cake to the contractors that were cleaning the roofs. And what happens is when they carry it, it falls and the cake falls and all the guys that are working as chimney sweeps just eats it from the floor and uh, loves it. It was fun to watch. It was a. It felt like a Christmas movie, so I didn't, uh, so uh, not the time of the year necessarily to watch it. And I will give it a 7 or 6 out of 10. Sure, being quite brutal. Yeah, the reason was because I started like sitting and like moving around in okay. my seat a bit long. Also, I didn't like the music of it, but it was a, it was fun to watch. Yeah, so I'm going to go the opposite way. I'll give it like an 8. And for me, the one thing that just pulled me out of the story completely was the fact that Disney was all over this. Yes. And the credits were about an extra five minutes onto our viewing time just because of all the people involved. I would have loved this if it didn't come out of Disney. And I, I'm just I think I'm just brainwashed to hate Disney, which is bad because they've made some of my favorite movies. A microwave might explode. You don't know where they are ingrained. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I really enjoyed it. It's very quirky, but a bit too long. Yeah. So now on to the next travel. Let's travel to the next topic with Red Suitcase. Yeah, this was uh, directed by Cyrus Neshvad. And the synopsis is an Iranian girl decides to remove her headscarf or hijab in a life-changing situation. This was filled with moments of tension and anxiety as a viewer that... I felt nervous for our main protagonist. Even though I knew it was exaggerated and heightened, I could kind of live with the idea that this character was in constant danger or we were made to feel the danger. I really enjoyed this this short. So I enjoyed this short because it falls into that category for me of just a snippet out of a bigger story. This Iranian teen, she is at the airport and with her small red suitcase and you can see she's uncomfortable first time in the airport she doesn't know what to do she doesn't wait know where to go next it's even these sliding these doors where you approach and it opens she doesn't know how to how to manage and coordinate that everything's new she doesn't speak the language yes so she enters into this airport and you start realizing that she is there to be given as a bride to someone else Essentially, her family sold her to someone else. And this person that's supposed to pick her up needs to look out for this red suitcase. And she soon starts to realize that. So she starts to try and uh, change her appearance. Yeah. um, All the while, she's getting messages from her father going, where are you? What's happening? 
and before all of this happens, her bag is searched by police and you're already kind of made to feel quite anxious and you realise that she's a really gifted artist. And everything that she, like her prized possessions, which is her art and her paintbrushes and her beautiful pieces she's drawn, mm. is in this suitcase. Yeah, and a painting that gets inspected or taken out by one of the officials is a self-portrait of her, but you can see her hair, um, and that's kind of put back into the suitcase and given back to her. She then goes off to the toilet before braving, walking past her her arranged hubby. Yes. <laughs> and she takes off the hijab, which is a very big deal. And you can see she's uncomfortable about this, and she just needs to like mm. uh, suck it up to try and get out of this situation right now yeah complete fish out of water luckily her father's gifted her some money and she finds somewhere that she can exchange it into the local currency which is euro that was such a sad scene because she takes out this envelope of of money Mm. this fat stack of notes and she takes it to this exchange booth and she gets a note two notes and three it's like five euro or something like very little out so you can already see she's feeling uncomfortable with the fact that she thought she can potentially just coordinate herself with some money out of this situation yeah and with this you can you now get that sense of urgency that she's really limited in cash and what she can do Hmm. and she can't just buy another flight or get out of the situation easily yeah, and the whole time the tension's being ramped up by the director by placing the potential suitor in the background or nearby her. You can hear him talking off screen about uh, looking out for this red suitcase and she quickly hides it in front of her. Yeah, this whole time this potential suitor is kind of in her proximity and is a very real threat and there's a very real threat of her being discovered. Uh, she manages to take the euros and get onto her bus and this potential suitor gets onto the bus. <laughs> Luckily, her suitcase is now in the like stowed away. Yeah, yeah, stowed away. So she she's trying to still hide her face, but she knows that mm. like she needs to either sit in the seat and face him, or she needs to hide, or she needs to run. And you can just see her taking those options through her mind. Mm. She eventually ends up in the luggage stow hiding behind some suitcases and this guy's rummaging through saying that his family he's like looking for the suitcase he needs to Making find a it. something soppy story and me as the viewer i was like yeah she's gonna be okay she's got her art she'll be able to like sell that and make a living because she's really talented and everything will be okay and there's this moment where she has to make the decision she gives up the suitcase or she gives up herself And she gives up the suitcase. Yes, and it's such a close call. It's that typical movie scene of uh, you're you're standing there and like your potential threat just like edges past you or like takes the item next to you or something like that. It was the tension they the tension they built on this was done beautifully. Yeah, it was done so skillfully that you that it wasn't like jump scares, Mm. no jump scares, but it was tension building that whole, whole scene. Once you realize what's out, what's happening when she's in that airport, and she's trying to escape, you also understand that she can't. She can't just start running. Mm. You understand that she needs to try and pretend to be calm, 
and it was it was just painstakingly difficult to watch this tension build up yeah and visually you can see her make her mind up by switching the phone off and ignoring messages from her father the luggage uh, store kind of closes and the bus drives off and um, she ignores the message from her father saying i'll take it back you can do whatever you want but you kind of know that he really won't <laughs> yes. and on a meta level the last shot is a crane or a jib shot of the bus pulling away and we zoom into a billboard for a makeup product or a hair product and it's just a slow zoom into this and you are confronted as a western viewer by ideas around beauty freedoms and for me i just thought cool if feminism's a thing it's still got a long way to go around the world especially in yeah a few countries of the world where people are being stoned and so freely being sold off as as a wife Hmm. yeah it's a tactic so this uh, this podcast got very heavy and very controversial and very political so let's 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 take a step back so her performance your, was brilliant yes uh what was your rating on this nine i would also give it a nine hmm. the point that i would deduct for it is just the fact that the immediate threat was always in the vicinity yeah it felt as though like there's no way like he can literally be behind her having this this yes. call and but it was done for that cinematic tension. And now I understand. So I understand why they did it. I wouldn't have changed them doing it. Yeah. But from a viewer, it was it just felt a bit frustrating to see that that the person is always there. Uh, airport is massive. She could have stayed in the bathroom. Yeah. So just that that little small loopholes that I would have would have liked to that wasn't fun to watch. So yeah, I I really 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 enjoyed that movie and i would recommend it uh to anyone yes and now as a goodbye let's move to the irish goodbye oh wow how long <laughs> have you been holding on to that one i've been working on it for way too Woo! long i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> i do apologize no don't I don't. <laughs> don't that's great that's i need to i need to familiarize myself with the way of the dad joke and that was a that was a that was golden. Um, yeah, the Irish or an Irish goodbye. This was the last film that we watched. It was twenty three minutes long, and was directed by Tom Berkeley and Ross White. And the synopsis is: On a farm in rural Northern Ireland, estranged brothers Turlow and Lorcan are forced to reunite following the untimely death of their mother. So the story was really good in in the dry humor that it had, but there was an insensitive priest making some really terrible jokes. <laughs> um, Sorry, I loved it. And he, he gives, a, he, there's a bucket list from the mom that he has, and he's like, oh, well, she won't be needing that anymore. So a few dry jokes about it. I can you can see that the, the brothers aren't as close as they used to be anymore. So the one brother has a disability, which means that he always needs a caregiver. Apparently, in the story, they don't want to move just yet, so they stay on the farm. And then it comes out that the brother, the one is from UK, and the other brother used to stay on the farm. The one with the disability used to stay on the farm with the mom 
So the younger brother with a disability now needs a caregiver. And the oldest brother is going to stay on the farm with them for a while. And then over time, they'll figure out where he's, if he's going to move with, in with the aunt or where this, this younger brother is going to move to. During this time, the brother reveals the, the bucket list from the mom. And they decide that they are going to try and achieve these bucket list items hmm. just to close this off. And reluctantly, the older brother agrees to this. They kind of make their way through the list and it starts out um, quite believable and it ends up being quite unbelievable. There's some elements that are quite believable and the the way that they accomplish them is like quite metaphoric. So traveling to space is shooting some kind of fireworks into the sky, for example. Yeah, it's, it's quite whimsical and you kind of see the brothers kind of reunite over this. In the meantime, the older brother is trying to solve sell the farm yeah so so you basically kind of see the brothers get closer through these tasks that they or this, these bucket list items that they that they're trying to achieve yeah the part about this that i didn't find believable is that this younger brother with a disability that needs a caregiver is completely capable of doing absolutely everything by himself he doesn't need a caregiver so i don't know why that was such a key part of the story when he runs the farm basically by himself mm. and he is talented artist and he is f- like f- completely functioning. Yeah. And the big spoiler is that you actually find out that he never got given the list, the mother's list of <laughs> or bucket list. So he has gone and invented this whole list of to do's. So that the brothers can just become closer. Yeah, yeah spend some time together. And uh, this is revealed to the older brother by the, <laughs> the priest, who, yes, man, for cringe timing is impeccable. I loved that performance. Also like the weird Irish humor. And um, yeah, speaking about that, it was a little bit hard for me to understand what they were saying. Yes. Um, because weirdly this one wasn't subtitled whereas all the others were if you're going to subtitle one subtitle all uh, especially if there's a heavy irish accent that i can't understand as a viewer anyways that's just me being hypercritical tonally uh there was like a brevity in it and a light-heartedness to it um, they faced and confronted the idea of death very well and i think the way many of us do my favorite scene is the priest is inside with the older brother going, do you think Lorcan's going to be all right? <laughs> and the brother goes, yeah, he's going to be fine. And the, <laughs> the camera pans out the window and you see the brother just lying. The younger brother. The younger brother lying on the ground in the suit, looking up, <laughs> just being so, so overwhelmed by life and death and all of it. And um, I loved it. It was a fun short to watch. Mm, yeah. It won the Oscar. Unfortunately. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Let's go for our rankings. So, oh, out of 10, what would you give this? I would give this a 6 out of 10. I'd give this an 8 or a 9, just because I've been generous with my ratings and I'm in a generous mood, you know? Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So for me, 8 or 9. What was your favorite? Which one do you think should have won? Quick answer. Yeah, this is tough. For me, it would have been the suitcase or the red suitcase, purely because... It really resonated with me. It had a deeper message and the performance was brilliant. The tension was there and it made me think about 
my life and privileges in a Western society, I guess, and made me appreciate them in a way. I would also have given Red Suitcase the top spot. Uh, it was the winner. <laughs> yeah, I thought you were going to disagree. No. <laughs> Uh, I, I'm actually disappointed it didn't win the Oscar. I think it yeah, really deserved, it deserved it. So that would have been my top choice. My second choice would have been Ivalu because it was beautiful to watch. Okay. I'm going to break this down into like Oscars, right? But Oscars for the shorts. So we're going to go for best director, i.e. best film. So for okay. us, it was the suitcase. Um, now we're going best performance. Out of all the actors and actresses, who would you give the best performance uh, to? Ivalu. So for me, her performance didn't resonate at all. Who's your, that, that, no, no critique, who's your oh, best performer? I want to say the actress from The Red Suitcase, but I'm actually going to give it to an Irish goodbye. Okay. The older okay. brother. I, every nuance, every emotion, I think he just nailed tonally. It was very well done. Okay. And what's the next award then? Best cinematography. What looked the prettiest? The one that looked the best for me was Irish Goodbye. Yeah, so I would also say Irish Goodbye or Evolu. Okay. Um, but Irish Goodbye, 100%. I was tempted to say La, the La Pupule. <laughs> so, so for me, I would actually give Best Director to La Pupule. Okay, yes, yes. And Best Motion Picture. I don't uh, know what that means. So Best Movie, Best Film, okay. Best best thing yeah best director i'd give to le pupil just because i think she nailed it it's amazing it's unique it's fresh it's fun it's exciting and they're those moments of authenticity that were left in on purpose oh look at that keywords (laughs) jargon 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 (laughs) or just like (laughs) limited vocabulary Uh, so for the next podcast, we're going to be playing a drinking game every time I say the words authentic, uh, real. <laughs> um, yeah, anyway, so uh, that's that's my wrap up. I'd give best director to Lip People, best motion picture to The Red Suitcase, best performance to The Dude from An Irish Goodbye, and best cinematography to Irish Goodbye. And that wraps it up then today. Cool. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Occasional Reviewer podcast. Thanks for joining us. And if you guys do watch it and have different views of these these shorts, I would love to hear it. So please, please share what you think. Yeah.